We wish to acknowledge the traditional caretakers of the land we record this podcast on, the Yuggera people and their continued connection to the land and waterways of Yuggera country. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Ahoy hoy and welcome to the Sports Social. <laughs> Hello Georgie. Hi. <laughs> it is Sports Chats for everyone today. Oh, you did that so well. Thank you. Uh, it was a there was a sort of Hamish and Andy esque start to that episode to this, to this episode. What day is it? I don't know. Who, <laughs> I don't know who I am. I don't know where to I am. This episode. <laughs> Hello. Hi. How was your weekend? Oh, wait, well, I we, saw you. Hang on. <laughs> I saw you on Saturday night. We actually spent time together. We got to go to a sportsman's event um, at one of the schools here in Brisbane, and Libby spoke to Crash Craddock on stage about her very Olympic experience. It was great. I was worried it was going to be a bit of a sausage fest because, you know, those guys. <laughs> those kind of oh, my events. God. <laughs> Livy, no one says that. Don't they? Not out loud. <laughs> I thought it was going to be because it was a sportsman's dinner. Yes. And it was just dads. We were like the only females. Yes, we were. And they had hot dogs for dinner. Oh, Libby, (laughs) honestly, you've really taken the tone very low so early in the episode. I'm sorry. It was actually very fun and it was really nice for me to see how engaged the dads were in, I guess, my experience and my journey and asking lots of really interesting questions. Absolutely. So that was nice. I mean, I've known you for 20 years and I sat there like I'd never heard any of these stories before and actually learnt lots of stuff that I didn't know. And then we also stayed on and watched Jeff Thompson. Who, who you love, Who was just magic. I mean, he was, for those of you who don't know, and I'll be fair, I didn't know who he was until after. And that's why we stayed. And this was part of your cricketing education. He, he is a former cricketer. He played in the sort of 70s and 80s. Lily and Tomo and Marsh, they were iconic in the 70s yes, for Australian cricket. Yes, and he is like apparently the fastest ever bowler. If bowling had been timed or measured in the 70s, he would have been the fastest. You know, if you allow for conditions, you moderate the conditions and the equipment and all that sort of thing. He argues that he would be the fastest of all time. And what I just love the front that he brings, the, the absolute confidence that he would go toe-to-toe with any fast bowler in 2023. I love it. It's, he, he was actually really interesting, very colourful language, but he was very entertaining. Very colourful, told a great story about his experience with Bradman and the whole room was just on edge waiting for the next part of each anecdote. It was brilliant. Such a, Such a great night. So good. But what else happened over the weekend, George? Well, even before we got to the weekend, there was an epic surfing achievement in Cronulla on Friday. So Blakey Johnson partnered up with the Chumpy Pullen Foundation to raise money for kids' mental health. Amazing. So he went out with the goal to surf for 30 hours or break the world record of surfing for 30 hours straight. Oh, is that a thing? I know. You'd be so exhausted and cold. That was the main. I was like, aren't you cold? Aren't you freezing? It was dark. And it was dark. He had people coming in and surfing with him all throughout the night. He had medicos checking on him. Good. At what? Sometime in the morning, early morning, he broke the world record. But then he sort of turned around and said, look, I said I'd do it for 40 hours and I think I'm just going to go knock that out. 
And so he continued on and surfed for 40 hours straight, broke all the records. I think he caught 517 waves or over 500 waves. Essentially he was catching a wave every five minutes. Wow. And you think about it, that's like every time you're pushing up to stand up on a board, using all those upper body muscles, you're you're having to work. You're Every not just you're floating around. Yeah. yeah, you're paddling around. That's that's true athleticism to do that for 40 hours. Oh, that's unbelievable. So a big shout out to Blakey Johnson. I just love this. There's this real moment in Australia at the moment where we've got these ultra athletes. Yeah. And raising money and awareness for really important causes. So yeah. jumpy pull and for people who don't know is one of Australian's best winter Olympians. He was an absolute icon for, for many, many years and unfortunately he died while spearfishing a couple of years ago. So, I mean, the fact that he's partnered with the Chumpy Pullen Foundation is magic as well. Yeah, it was really so cool to watch. All credit to him for raising money for such a great cause. My name's Katrina and I am a competitive woodchopper and I love sport because it gives me the opportunity to spend time with my family while doing an amazing physical activity that I love. We are launching into the super netball season for 2023. It's very exciting. It's fabulous. And we're lucky enough today to be talking to Kim Revalian, who is the captain of the Queensland Firebirds. Wow. She's rep- go straight to the top, don't oh, we? Only the best here. She's represented Australia 60 times. Wow. Uh, she is a mother of a little girl called Georgie, which can I say is an excellent name. <laughs> well, well done, Kim. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. And she's just come off the back of her first game with the Firebirds over the weekend. It was the Battle of the Birds. They played the Adelaide Thunderbirds ah. at Nissan Arena and didn't get away with the win this time but off to a great start. Thanks for joining us, Kim. No problem. Thanks for having me. You guys played so well yesterday. It was honestly like that the heat and the humidity in that last quarter. I Like the number of times <laughs> had to mop the court. Holy moly. Oh, I know, and the ball was so slippery. I was just like, cut, woman. (laughs) (laughs) Get it. That's tricky. That's tricky conditions. Yeah, but it was good. Like a good first hit out and some new learning. So we're very positive and looking forward to the next game. Yeah. Tell us what you guys are thinking about as you go into the 2023 season. You came so close to the finals last year. And it was so exciting to watch some of those Firebirds um, matches. What is it that you guys are really focusing on for this season? Yeah, I mean, you were so right. We lost a couple games last year by a few goals and we were a game away from making the finals. And, yeah, I guess it was just a bit of a heartbreaking season. And I think going into this year, like we don't want that to happen again. Well, obviously we had a Pretty terrible start. But in saying that, our first three quarters were really good. We just kind of dropped our ball game in the last quarter. So some really good learnings um, heading into round two. And I think this team is well and truly capable of making finals. It's just, you know, nutting out a full poor quarter performance and that's what will get us there. It's so easy, I think, for athletes to have distractions, you know, to take your mind off the process towards what you're actually trying to achieve in either a game or, you know, a race or whatever it might be. You guys lost your assistant coach last week. We're just a few days out from the start of the season. You also have a young child. How do you maintain focus when there's all these different things, all different information, all different inputs coming at you and to focus on what the job at hand is? Yeah, it was a pretty special week with 
obviously a massive change in the assistant coaching role, but, you know, you can kind of pretend all you want in terms of how you show up, but at the end of the day, it is really draining. And whilst it may be physically demanding on the body, like your mind is everything. And if that's not there, then yeah, it, it is very exhausting. So I'm actually so glad that week's over and done with, you know, Lossie's come into the mix, previous Firebird, also led the, led the Firebirds in the 2011 win. So she has so much knowledge. I'm so excited to have her on board and just get her stuck in. So new new week for us. The vibe is still really positive and we're just looking forward to our next opportunity against Sunshine Coast Lightning. Kim, who do you think is going to be your greatest challenge as you go through the season? Who, who are you most game planning, I guess, when you come up yeah. against them? Well, Adelaide was definitely one of them. They've been looking good throughout the whole preseason and, and to be honest, I'm kind of glad we came up against them round one so we know exactly what they have and they pretty much threw it all at us yesterday. They made multiple changes and that was a positive for us but it's about how we capitalised in that last quarter. Those girls were great and also I think, you know, the Collingwood Magpies looked really good too. They put on a clinic in Melbourne against the Swift and, yeah, I think they will be a tough challenge so I can't wait. You're also a huge advocate for heading to the gym, building muscles, body positivity, <laughs> being a really strong, not, not not only being strong physically, but being a really strong female role model. What is that? Yeah. What, why are you so, um, I guess, passionate about sharing that part of your life? Yeah, I mean, early in my career, I was, you know, a skinny little thing who would get pushed off the ball. And I guess that was kind of why I was behind the pace and wasn't really making teams and you know, the disappointment kind of led to, you know, what can I do to be better? And so for me, it was just, you know, heading into the gym, pushing myself in the weight department and also in the conditioning um, area just to make sure that I was strong enough and fit enough to compete against my opponent. And it just really helped me with my strength and power um, on the court. So whilst I may look like a little body, I mean, looks can be deceiving. So just that ability and the confidence in myself to go up against the contest against bigger bodies. So I absolutely love the gym. Not only does it make you stronger, it also helps with injury prevention. And, you know, when you've given birth to a child, it's so important to get back to your full strength and and make sure that you can get out there and compete on court. Kimmy, we are so proud of you. We can't wait to watch the Firebirds continue their performances over the rest of the, the season. Thank you so much for joining us on the Sports Social. No worries. Thank you for having me. My name is Henry. I'm nine years old and I like sport because it's fun. Georgie, the second race of the F1 season has happened. In Saudi Arabia. Jeddah. Look at us with our geography. It's a pretty interesting race overall. So uh, the winner was Sergio Perez, Checo from the Red Bull team. Which is a surprise because Max Verstappen, his teammate. Verstappen? Verstappen. I just keep thinking of that little kid. I know. Verstappen. Max Verstappen. Um, he gets second, but the interesting thing about him is that he had to come all the way up from 15th place. Yeah, so what did he get a penalty for? Why was he back on the grid to start? No, I think he just stuffed up qualifying. His, uh, his, car, his car failed yeah. during qualifying. So he, at the start of Q2, so he ended up being. What's 15. Q2? So in qualifying, there's three qualifying rounds. Yes. Oh, okay. The first Got round you. knocks out the bottom five. The second round knocks out the bottom five. And then there's 10 races left for Q3. And that sets that 10 place group. Can I just say I've watched 
four seasons of Drive to Survive and now watched races and I have not cottoned on to that <laughs> process yet. We're still working out what We're DRS st- means. <laughs> what does DRS? I, like, so I get DRS is something where you're going in ultra fast mode and you change, something changes on the car and there are sections of the track where you can do it. Yeah. But so I don't understand when that's activated. DRS stands for drag reduction system. Right. And basically in the in the rear wing of the car, you can actually lift it up so that air flows through it. Yes. Rather than the downforce being pushed really it's like hard a, onto the it's car. It's re- like a really specced up spoiler or something. So there's usually in a race there's one or two spots that it can happen and it's usually on a long straight. Right. In order to be able to use it, you have to be within one second of the car ahead of you. Oh. So if you're within one second, you can activate it and that helps you to overtake. So if you're the front car. You don't get to use it. So your chances are you're probably going to get overtaken if they're within that. But see, that makes so much sense to me because every time I see people just be overtaken on the straight, I'm like, why aren't they going faster? It looks really easy, right? Yeah. Yeah, That's because the car behind has... DRS. DRS, yeah. Has this always been allowed? I think it came in 10 years ago. Right. But the other thing is, so if you have like a lineup of 10 cars, right, that first car. Just gets is, stuffed. Is yeah, because every other car behind it gets gets DRS. Yeah. If they're all within a second of each other. Interesting. Here ends our little lecture. Mode push. <laughs> I think they say activate DRS. Activate DRS. You are good to go. I thought it was DRS activated. They've also got an overtake button in there. Stop it. Yeah. So overtake button basically takes all the energy from the that they've built up through the race because they they store energy in their cars from like braking, kinetic energy or something like that. But then they can actually use that energy to boost the engine a bit more with an overtake button. But then if they use it, they've got to recharge it by braking and stuff like that. It just sounds more There's and more so like. There's so much technology in these cars. It sounds more and more like Mario Kart to me. <laughs> <laughs> there will be bananas soon. I want a red shell. That's what I want. <laughs> no, you want the purple shell unless you're the leader. The purple shell, yes. I Max don't know would... what you're talking about. I never got to play Mario Kart. Oh, Georgie. <laughs> what did you do growing up? Just sport? <laughs> Hang on. Back to the race. Yes. You know what was really cool? What? Fernando Alonso got third. Yes. He got third and then there was some sort of 10-second penalty that got applied because Duffer at pit lane forgot to, that he wasn't allowed to touch the car oh. and was touching the car when he was already, when Alonso was serving a first penalty. So then he got taxed 10 seconds. Then he disputed it and he's been reinstated Thank to goodness. number three. Because that was his 100th podium, Aww. which is awesome. He's doing, he's doing a very good job this year. Yes, the Aston Martin cars seem to be quite good and I thought he was on the way out. He's like 40-something. Still got it. He does. Meanwhile, I think the reign of Toto really has come to an end because every oh, time that's I – That's a big call over <laughs> I'm going to put it out there. Oh, they've <laughs> lost a couple of right? – he's done. No, get him out. He hasn't just lost a couple of races though. Max has been on the podium – for the drivers' championships, the last two years, and now, and now, what's his name? Oh, what's his name? <laughs> Lewis. Oh, I was going to say Gunter. Mm. He's been out. Like I've just forgotten his name now. Lewis Hamilton is apparently talking to Ferrari and contemplating a move there. Wow, you're a really good time, Charlie, aren't you? You're just a fair weather friend. No, I'm just, I'm just saying that there could be a changing of the guards. 
I think Toto's great, but is it over? Well, try and get him on. <laughs> Hi, Toto. we're a very small podcast from Australia. <laughs> Who know basically nothing about F1. We, we know that you look very good in a white T-shirt. Oh, when we ask questions, they're not going to have anything to do with F1, but it'll be a great interview. <laughs> Cracking show. We really like your wife. She really, she really Susie is excellent. She's unreal. Maybe we should just talk to Susie. Yeah. Hi, this is Ellie Cole, Australia's most decorated female Paralympian. And I love sport because it can absolutely break your heart, but it really does shape who you are and all of those moments of success as well. The AFL kicked off over the weekend, as well as the Super Netball. So it was a busy weekend in sport. I didn't even realise the AFL kicked off. Mm-hmm. That's bad, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is really. Sorry. <laughs> it's kind of my job. <laughs> Should be I don't know if you know this, but we do a sports podcast. <laughs> Should be much more across that stuff. I apologise. The AFL kicked off over the weekend, Libby. Amazing. There you it go. Was so Thank good. You. This is going much better. Okay. And it came off the back of a week where there's been, or a couple of weeks where there's been a conversation out in the public domain about concussion. Mm. So the AFL has a, cl- a couple of class actions being brought against them when it comes to concussions from historical events, so possibly 60, up to 60 players are involved in one or two class actions against the AFL. The AFL has also announced that they'll be contributing $25 million to further research into the health of players, including concussion. And the NRL had a very ferocious couple of first rounds where the captain of the Newcastle Knights, Caelan Ponga, had big hits in those Mm. first couple of games. And so the NRL this week came out and said, if you receive a Category 1 concussion, we are now setting a mandatory stand-down period of 11 days, which means that you miss at least one game, Mm. which is good progress for a sport where concussions are pretty rampant. Yes. Yeah. So what we saw last year, to give a bit of a background on the NRL in particular, last year they introduced a, an independent medical review system as part of the HIA. So instead of a team doctor being on the field or being on the sideline and being the person that makes the call as to whether or not you continue to play on or whether you have received a level of concussion and therefore need to come off the field, that decision-making was centralised to a bunker where medical doctors would sit and review footage and different camera angles and then say, right, X player needs to go and have an HIA, a head injury assessment, and then they would confer with the sideline doctor or the club doctor and then make a determination about whether or not that person could continue to play or needed to come off the field permanently. Because more likely the team doctor's going to be like, oh, you'll be right. So that process was and continues to be very criticised by different clubs and different coaches and different owners Mm. um, involved in NRL who just say, of course we're concerned about players, of course we put their best interests at heart, of course we would pull off a player if they were concussed. And the argument on the other side is you guys are out there to win a game and you've got players who will tell you they're fine. Yes. And therefore we need to take that conflict out of the equation and put it with someone who's independent yes. and has a medical qualification and is not the coach or the player and make a decision around the because, concussion. Because this is the thing, like I can say this, 
Athletes are stupid. <laughs> All we want is to go back out there. Like that's what we train to do. That's what we want to do. We want to be a part of the team. We don't want to let anyone down. I imagine especially that would be acutely the case in a team sport. They're going to be like, I'm fine, fine. Mm. And especially from that cultural perspective of what, you know, NRL, AFL, all of those team sports, like they just want to be in there. Mm. They're hungry for it. So, of course, they're going to say, I'm fine. And in the moment, sure, you want to go out and play and you're probably not in the best position to make a decision about something that's going to impact you in 10, 20, 30 years' time and have really quite significant impacts on your quality of life. Yeah. So that's been happening. Meanwhile, Rugby Union has also come out this week and said that at a community level they were going to put in place a tackling limit to, again, help improve the safety of the game. So from now on at a community level or they're trialling it from a community level, um, from waist down you can be tackled. Anything above that is strictly off limits. And, again, this is in a way this is trying to reduce injuries. The Super Rugby has actually had for some time concussions being reviewed in a centralised location, so away from the game itself. The AFL still relies on sideline and club doctors to assess concussions as and when they happen on the field. Yeah, I mean you see the damage that these athletes do to their bodies in general. You know, they're in their 30s, 40s, people can barely walk, they're needing knee replacements, hip replacements, like there's so much damage that is being done to your body let alone what damage is being done to your brain. And, yeah, there's so much information now that recognises how that can damage your mental health as much as it can damage, you know, everything else. And I think the question, and I have heard it in some parts of the media, that we probably should be asking as a community is whether it's the responsibility of a code to set concussion guidelines or whether this is now so significant and has such long-term health impacts, is it something that we should be looking at at a national level that's organised by a separate body that puts in place consistent standards across all sports when it comes to concussion? Because, again, you're asking codes like NRL or AFL or rugby union to discipline themselves, to put in place codes of conduct or processes around concussion and are they the right people to do that? Should that actually be seeing, being seen at a national level and coming down consistently across all sports? I vote for that one. Hi, my name's Jane and I'm from Brisbane. I love sport because it gets me outside. I get to meet heaps and heaps of people and it's so much fun and it's also really good for your mental health. That's the main reason I get out and run because it makes my brain feel good. Hey, Libby, I've jumped on a bandwagon. Ooh, which one? I, the Dolphins? Oh, well, yeah. How could you not? <laughs> they're doing all right. Top of the table. I know, it's so good. And I, I love that they're billing this weekend's game against the Broncos as the Battle of Brisbane. Well, the uh, historic Battle of Brisbane. You're like, it's the first time. You can't, <laughs> you can't call something historic if no, it's the first time. It's the first time. But Annabelle Brett, our mate from Triple M in North Queensland, she said that. If they win four in a row, they'll be the first team to do it since the Melbourne Storm. Oof. Who, when they came in for their first year, you know, and have gone on to absolutely dominate NRL. But if they, to do that, they have to beat Brisbane. It's, it's, a, it's a cracking conversation with people this week as to who they're backing. It really, interestingly, the Dolphins are not known, 
they haven't branded themselves as the Redcliffe Dolphins because they didn't want to trigger in people's minds that community club uh, uh, territorialness yeah. because the Redcliffe Dolphins then alienate the Wynnum or the, the different suburbs around Brisbane because they do come from a local community club. Mm. So by just saying the Dolphins, it's saying, look, if you don't like the Bron- Broncos, you can like the Dolphins. Or if the Broncos are having a bad year, go for the Dolphins. Yeah, exactly. But tickets are all sold out. That's amazing. You can't you can't go even if you wanted to. It's you know, Monday. How ridiculous. I'm fascinated by the conversation because there's, there's talk about another team coming into the NRL and Darren Lockyer was speaking in the newspaper over the weekend saying that the North Sydney Bears should make a comeback. Oh. Go you Bears. Oh. Iconic. Is anyway, that the that's you? <laughs> that, sorry. Yes, but anyway, exactly. that's not the bandwagon so, oh, I'm yeah. on. Sorry, you're on a bad bet. Yeah, bandwagon, sorry, back Tommy. to me. Thank you. Um, <laughs> where I'm on a bandwagon. I've got on a bandwagon. It's a Townsville bandwagon. Welcome. <laughs> I wanted to start watching the WNBL. We spoke to Megan Husswaite a couple of weeks ago about who we should be watching, and I've started to sort of tune into bits and bobs. And this week. The finals have started, the final series. So Townsville. I love that you're jumping on in the finals. Well, there's no better place to start. <laughs> Townsville Fire are playing the Southside Flyers mm. and they played in the fire pit in Townsville. Yeah, they did. That's brilliant. It was such a good match. I haven't actually watched a lot of basketball in my life. I probably watched the Bullets when I was a little kid, the Brisbane Bullets, um, and I've been to a few matches, did play a little bit of basketball. Did you? Just in primary school. You dabbled? Yeah, I dribbled. <laughs> <laughs> that was very, that was Ba-bum. top notch Yeah, Chat back. Well done. I did play a little bit of basketball, but I'm not overly familiar with it. It was gripping TV. Once I could find it, it was very tricky to find. I, I had to go through nine now and I couldn't get it there and I eventually found it on KO. But when I found it, it was a brilliant match to watch. It's a three-game series. They'll be playing again on Wednesday night. And if the Southside Flyers win on Wednesday night, it'll go to a third match next Saturday night. So exciting. We have such good talent in that competition in Australia and we should be talking about it more. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I can't wait to see the match on Wednesday. Um, AJ, 35, Gold Coast, and I like sport because I just like being out in the community and uh, getting fit and staying healthy. Spot Spot shots! shots. (laughs) We just made eyes at each other and we nailed it. That was so good. What is your sports shorts, Georgie? Off the back of that conversation about the WNBL, it would absolutely have to be watching that final series this week. Go Go and watch it on KO or Nine Now, whichever one it is. Go and sit down on Wednesday night and watch that match. It, you will not be disappointed. Love it. Uh, my sports short, this is kind of a bit of a random one and some may say I didn't prepare a sports short. Some may week. say. Some might say that but it's not, not true. Not me. I have thought deeply and longly. Longly is not a word but about, continue. About this. Um, no, it's been a, a, it's a pregnancy-related thing mm-hmm. and but I think it applies to everybody we all see exercise as a punishment. We've been conditioned to do that. And I, off the back of, you know, being inspired by our conversation with Kim Revalian, exercise is meant to bring us joy. It's only about joy. Yes, we know the physical benefits are there. 
But don't just do the same thing over and over because you're like, I have to do that to earn my meal, just just how we think. I've had to really slow down in my exercise because I'm over 30 weeks pregnant now. And Are you? Okay. <laughs> just <laughs> Like, oh, that's interesting. I thought you were just in a good pasture. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, And I just, like, I've had to slow down and exercise. Uh, Walking is exercise. Absolutely. Swimming is exercise. You know, I don't have to do a high-intensity workout to get all the beautiful benefits of moving my body. And so I would encourage people to try something different this week in terms of how they move their body. Yeah, and I think it's sometimes it's just reframing it in your head. That's I think that's really important. Like if you actually go and mow the lawn, that's a good workout. Yeah. You've pushed a heavy thing around, you've walked a lot, it's probably taken you well, I don't know, however long it takes you. You can definitely think about that in your head. As, as movement. Ex- yeah. If you walk the kids to school and back, movement. Totally. And it all those incremental and incidental times of movement really add up to something quite significant. Yeah, because I think as well a lot of us get in that mindset that it has to be like half an hour or an hour or nothing. Mm. But that was certainly my mindset for, mm. for so many years coming from training anywhere between two and seven hours a day. Mm. I had to reframe my brain and go 10 minutes. That's Be- better that's, than nothing. It's better than nothing because I was doing nothing as the alternative. Yes, I think that, yeah, 100%. If you can just move in some way, you won't even realise how beneficial it is and, you, and you've just, just got to trust the process. So my challenge for everyone, move your body in a different way this week. I love that. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Sports Social. We so enjoy bringing you these episodes and if you have a friend who you think would enjoy these sports chats, please share it with them and let them know about us. And we absolutely love receiving your feedback and your reviews. It totally lights us up. If you are enjoying this kind of sports content, head over to our Instagram page at the Sports Social Podcast. Otherwise, we will chat to you next week. Bye. Bye.